Matthew 26 and verse number 26. We see that uh, here in the Scripture, Jesus tells them that one of you will betray me. And they begin to ask the question, saying unto him, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? And Judas, which betrayed him, said, Master, is it I? And he saith him, Thou hast said. And then in verse 26 it says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and he blessed it, and he brake it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Turn with me now to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter number 22. Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter number 22. And we're going to read a little bit there, and then we'll get into the message on the Lord's table, the communion. Luke chapter number 22, beginning in verse number 14. Luke 22 and verse number 14. And when the hour was come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof, but it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread, gave thanks, and he brake it. And he gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. And then he goes on and he talks about the hand that's going to betray him. And he goes on and inquire amongst themselves, strife among them, and then they go on and they get into something totally different. What I want to preach on tonight is in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, if you would turn there, and this is where we're going to spend the rest of the evening looking through some verses here. It's very interesting to me that the Apostle Paul is writing to this church in Corinth, and he is saying to them the things that he has received of the Lord. I have received these things of the Lord is what he's saying. In other words, what Paul is trying to get across to this church is, is I didn't come up with this on my own. This is not something that I feel like that you should do just to be doing it. Everything that I am telling you, the Lord has given me. 
And I'm going to teach the church of Corinth what you're doing right. And I'm going to also teach you what you're doing wrong. And tonight, through the help of the Lord and through the scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, maybe just you and I can understand what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. And the Lord will help us and teach us and guide us through the truth of the scriptures. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love and your mercy. Thank you for the word of God, for it is truth. Help us, Lord, for the next few minutes just to share. Teach us, Lord, through your word. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice with me, verse number 17 is where we'll pick up tonight. We could have went uh, uh, up more verses, but we'll just start there tonight. Verse number 17 of 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Look what is written. Now in this that I declare unto you, he said, I praise you not that you come together for the better, but for the worse. When I begin to study this here, it begins to lead us into the thought of teaching on the Lord's Supper. Paul is dealing with the Lord's Supper, and what he uses in verse number 17 is a very strong word. He said, now in this that I declare unto you. That word declare simply means this. He said, I command you. It's more than just, I'm going to give you a thought. It's more than just, I think this would be a good idea of what I'm fixing to say. The Apostle Paul is letting this church know that this is a command. Now in this did I declare, this did I command unto you, He said, I praise you not. He said, you're not coming together in the church to make you better. He said, what you are doing is you are coming together to do the Lord's ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And he said, instead of it making you better, and instead of it making you the the, the church that Christ would have you to be, and we're getting ready to deal with it, he said, you are coming together and it's actually making you worse. You're not leaving and saying, boy, it was good to be in the house of God. You're leaving and you are understanding that it would have probably been best if you hadn't even come to the house of God. You're coming in not to be edified. You're coming in not to learn. You're coming in not to understand. You are coming in because you are so set and you are so messed up in your thinking That instead of leaving church and saying, boy, it was good, you're leaving church and you're saying, I'm worse off now than I was before I even come. And that's what he is dealing with, with this church in Corinth. I wrote down, not for the better, but for the worse. Look what he says in verse 18. For first of all, first of all, right off the get-go, he said, for first of all, when you come together in the church... That's pretty obvious, isn't it, what he's talking about here? It's not, uh, who is he talking to? Where are we at? What kind of point is the Apostle Paul trying to make? For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. When I begin to study and see what God is trying to show me here to lead us into the Scriptures... I find out that he is saying, I cannot praise you for what you're doing. I praise you not. 
And he said, and the very first thing that I have heard and the very first thing that is being said about the church is there are divisions in the church. There's one group of people doing one thing. There's another group of people doing another thing. Now, let me just say this while I'm trying my best to listen as much as I can to the Spirit of God tonight. Every single one of us in here, we're all different people. Every single one of us, you know, we've, we've grown up in, in a lot of different homes in a lot of different ways. I do not believe that not one person in here is identical. I believe we're all different. I also believe that there are some people in this church who has like interest. Some men in here like fishing. I don't even like eating fish, but I'll go fishing. Some men in here, they like cars. Some men in here, they like uh, working. They just like working. There's so many different interests. Some of you ladies, you love being a homemaker and a stay-at-home mom. Some of you ladies, you couldn't do that. And you work a job and maybe a full-time job. Some of you ladies in here uh, probably own your own business and do your own things. We all have so many different interests. And the best that you can do, please hear this. The best that you can do when you get a group of people together, once people begin to spend time together, they will find out others who have those like interests. There's nothing wrong with a group of men standing to the side and talking about a certain subject. There's nothing wrong with a group of women getting together and talking about something that they enjoy doing together. But that's not the problem here in this church in Corinth. The problem in this church is this. There is divisions. There is, there is schisms in the body. There is all kinds of craziness that is going on. This goes deeper than interest. This goes deeper than being like-minded. What has taken place in this church in Corinth is this. There are dividing up in groups, and they will not have anything to do with the other group at all. It's almost like they, like they don't even like the other group. They don't even want to speak to the other group. They don't even want to sing in the choir with the other groups. I'm telling you, he said right here, he said, there is divisions among you. There is a divided group of people here in this church. If you with me, say amen. There's division in the church. But then in verse number 19, he says, for there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Now, this is a kind of a hard verse to understand, but I'll try to explain it. This heresy means false teaching. Uh, we would call it, from the preaching that I preach, we would call it tares amongst wheat. We would call this heresies. Uh, it can be sects, uh, S-E-C-T-S, or it can be schisms. It can also be division. But mainly when you study the word heresies, it always will lead you to the thoughts of false teaching and tares amongst the wheat. He said this about this church. He said, he said, you're coming together and you're doing things wrong. You're coming together and you're not leaving better, you're leaving worse. You're, you're coming together, and they are divisions among you. You're coming together in the church, verse number 18, and he says, there must be, there must be, there has to be. 
You can't be doing what you're doing unless they are heresies, false teaching, tares, false doctrines among you. And then it goes on, it says, that they which are approved may be manifest among you. Now, what does that mean? They which are approved means this, if you study these words. I had to do a lot of studying in the Hebrew and the Greek today to figure out what was I trying to understand here in this text. They which are approved means this, those of sincerity, those that truly believe in Christ, those that are sound in the faith. So here's what he's saying. There's divisions, there's heresies, but they are also in the church those that are approved, those that are sincere, those that believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior, those who are sound in their faith. And he says this about them right here. He says that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. That word manifest there means that they would be made apparent among you. That the people, and boy, this is good right here if you'll think about it, with all of this craziness going on in the church of Corinth, and and remember, this is all leading up to what we're fixing to do tonight. And and what the apostle Paul is saying is this, what, what needs to happen and what is happening is yes, all of these things are going on, But there are people in the church of Corinth, there are people that are there, that it is no doubt that you're sincere. It's no doubt about it that you believe in Jesus Christ. There is no doubt about it that you are very sound in your faith and in your doctrine. It is apparent. It is manifest. It is among you. In other words, your steadfastness and your faith is being seen amongst the church people. They realize that you are different. They realize that Jesus Christ is your Savior. They realize that you have something that is real way down deep in your soul. I will stop there and I would say to each and every one of us, myself included, that ought to be our heart's desire. That when I walk into Pleasant Hill Missionary Baptist Church, that it would be apparent, it would be obvious that I love Jesus. That it would be obvious that I am a man of faith. Not a perfect man, but a man of faith. And it would be obvious that I am trying to be steadfast in my walk with Jesus Christ. Not so that you could pat me on the back, but so that others that enter into that church can look around in that church and they can say this. They are some people that are sitting in that church that there's no doubt in my mind they love Jesus. They are some people that is sitting in that church. There is no doubt about it in my mind. They are men and women of faith. Boy, shouldn't that be our heart's desire tonight? That when someone walks into this church, that they'd look around at this church, and it would be obvious, it would be manifest, it would be apparent that they are people up and down each one of these rows, down through these pews. It's obvious that you love Jesus. All right, let's go on, then we'll get into it. Then we see, uh, uh, here we go, uh, verse number 20. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. What, what are you talking about? 
What you are doing is you are not remembering. What you are doing, now he's starting to deal with this Lord's Supper. He said, what you are doing is when you come together, and you got to hear this, church, everything that is happening, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. It has no meaning at all. What you are fixing to do when you guys come together, not only is it, is it meaningless, but boy, it convicted me when I, when I studied this, Brother Joe. That verse even gives the idea of this. Even what you are doing is useless. It's completely useless. It's meaningless, and it's useless. You're, you're really just coming in, and you're wasting everyone's time. And see, that's what it says. Scripture interprets Scripture, right? So instead of people coming in and being built up and leaving the better, they're coming in, and when they do the ordinance that Christ has set and give the Apostle Paul to give to the church, you're, you're not leaving going, wow, God is good. Man, I'm glad I'm saved. You're leaving those services, and you're saying this. No better off now than I was before I even come. Stay with me now, verse 21 and 22. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry and another's drunken. One is hungry and another's drunken. Look at the first word in verse 22. What? What? <laughs> Have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise... Boy, when I read this, it convicted me. Or despise ye the church of God? Hmm. And shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? He said, I praise you not. He said, what in the world are you doing? He said, they're coming together. And instead of doing something that is holy, and instead of doing something that is godly, you've turned the Lord's table into a homecoming feast. You've come in here and you've, you, you, you've eaten to the field. You've drunk until you've become drunken. And he goes on, and, and he says right here, he says, do you despise the church of God and shame them that have not? I began to look at that, and I thought, here they are. They've, they've come together, and they're just eating, and they're drinking, and they're, and they're getting in groups. And you have houses that you could eat in, and you've got houses that you can do this in. He's saying, the church, the church is a place of worship. I know I'm not preaching like normal, but you can still say, hey, man. The church is a, is a place of worship, and the church is a house of prayer. And he says, the poor is coming in. Poor people's coming into the church, and they're watching you sit over here with your group, and this group over here is eating filet mignons and baked potatoes and salad, and they've got enough wine over here that they're staggering around in the house of God. And then here is a poor family that is sitting here. They have absolutely nothing. 
But you are, are indulging yourself and making a mockery of the things of God. And then you see these people over here and you don't even care anything about them. He said, you don't even, you don't even realize what you folks are doing. You're so selfish. You're so divided. He said, I praise you not. What are you doing? Have you forgotten? Boy, this gets really serious. He said, have you forgotten what Jesus was doing with his disciples? Have you forgotten what he was teaching those men? Have you forgotten what the Word of God says about what we are fixing to do tonight? Don't forget. This thing is, this thing is serious. This is not Pastor Keith's house. This is not the deacon's house. This is the house of God. This is the church of a holy God. Amen? We are actually in God's house tonight. And everything that we do, we must do it with a sincere heart, knowing that we are worshiping Him in every aspect of our services. Man, it really, really just got on me as I was studying today. Verses 23 through 26. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. And then he is fixed to tell us what we just read in the Gospels. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Are you with me? For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Let me share this. He said, this bread is my body. Jesus says, this bread represents his body. His body. That was, that was broken for you. When you study those phrases, that was broken for you, it means the death and the suffering of Jesus Christ. And notice who he said that the body was broken for. He said the body was broken for you. <laughs> Do you see this? He said... He said, church, I've done it for you. I died on the cross for you. I died on the cross for Keith. Miss Osley, he died on the cross for you. He said, I died for you. I give my body for you. We... We lose sight of that sometimes. We, we go through our life and we go through our days and we do this and we're like, okay, okay, okay. 
He said, but I was broken for you, the death and the suffering of Christ for you. And then he said this, this do in remembrance of me. When we pass out this bread here in a few minutes, and you hold that piece of bread in your hand, this piece of bread is not salvation. This juice that we're fixing to drink is not salvation. This bread and this cup that we're fixing to hold in our hands, every single time that you do that, you have got to allow your mind and your heart to go back and picture exactly everything that Jesus has really done for you. And when you drink that cup, you have got a picture. Jesus Christ hanging on a cross, marred like no one has ever been marred, beaten to a place that he was not even recognizable to be a man. And the very blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that run out of his body and dripped all around that cross, he did it for you. And he did it for me. And every time we hold that cup, you and I have got to realize, we got to remember, we got to let ourselves go back to what Christ has truly done for us. This do in remembrance of me, this is what it means. It means to stir up your mind. But not only to stir up your mind, it means to meditate upon. Meditate upon what? When you study this, it means to meditate upon the person of Jesus Christ. When you hold that bread, you remember, you think, allow it to stir in your heart. But then try your best to get everything else out of your mind so that you can meditate upon the person of Jesus Christ. Oh. Christ eat this bread, and Christ supped this cup. And it says right here that this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as often you drink it in remembrance of me. Stir up your mind, meditate upon it. But why did Jesus say this? This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Let me remind you. The old covenant <laughs> was not meant to work till eternity. What Jesus is saying is this. The blood of bulls and of goats, they're not sufficient. He is saying that here is the New Testament, the blood of Jesus Christ. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. It's not about my blood and your blood and goat's blood. It's about the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the New Testament. It's what he did. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. But because of Christ shedding his blood on Calvary's cross, you and I can be free tonight. Do you understand that? Oh, Christ eat and Christ supped this cup. It's the New Testament, not the old, but of Christ. And then it goes on and it means this. Look at it now. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread 
What does that mean? If you study that as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, that means this. Set a time aside. That's what it means. As often as you eat this cup, as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. So you set a time aside, you bless it, you break it, and you drink it. (laughs) And then in verse number 26, it says this, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. That word show means to proclaim. It means to preach. It means to announce. It means not only to picture it, but it means also to preach it. It means to take this time and give a message to the church about what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. Are you with me? Notice what else it says in that verse. You do show the Lord's death till he come. This does just not picture the Lord's death. It also reminds us, Brother Joe, of the Lord's return. Amen. Amen. Now, let's read these last verses and we'll be finished. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Verse 28 is a very key verse. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat bread and drink of the cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Those are some strong verses. Strong verses. What in the world, Paul? He says, in closing, divisions, cliques, self-deception, selfishness, drunkenness, neglecting the poor, irreverence of the church. That's a lot to examine. That's a lot to examine in verse number 28. Let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. If there's divisions, cliques, self-deception, selfishness, drunkenness, neglecting the poor, and if you don't reverence the house of God, he said, examine yourself and see where you're at. In other words, get it right with the Lord. And then he goes on and he talks about insults and offenders. and (laughs) You can count Christ as nothing, in other words. 
He says in verse 29, you need to discern, you need to distinguish the seriousness, the seriousness of this. And then he goes on and he speaks of being worthy. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning, not distinguishing the Lord's body. May I say this in closing? You and I need to understand something. Here in a few moments, I'm going to ask Miss Gina to come to the piano. And I'm going to ask her just to play just for a few minutes. And while she is playing, this is the perfect time for the church to seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. This is a perfect time for the church to make sure that there is nothing in here that don't need to be there. This is a perfect time for the church to realize, you know what? I need to be right with the Lord. But then let me say this. That's our part. But then there's another part that we need to understand. He that eats or drinks unworthily. I don't care how much I pray. And I don't care how much you pray. I don't care if I stay here till this time tomorrow night and pray. There is nothing that I can do to make myself worthy in the presence of Jesus Christ. Nothing. Hey, listen, if you and I could make ourselves worthy, Christ would have never had to have died on the cross. The only way that you and I can actually partake of this communion worthily, listen closely, there must be a time in your life that you have realized you was a sinner. And you have realized that you need Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And the Spirit of God began to draw you and show you that you needed to repent and turn from your sins and call on Jesus to be your Savior. What I'm saying is this. If you have not accepted Christ as Savior and Lord in your life, then you will eat and drink of this cup unworthily. And when you eat and drink of this cup unworthily, you're damning yourself. That's how serious this is. That's why when me and my wife was talking about our grandbaby back there that's getting to be able to do communion tonight. What you got to understand is, is in times past, Bill, when that plate would come passing by, my wife would have to look at our kids before they were saved and say, don't get one. Don't get one. And on the way home from church, the kids would ask, Mom, why would you not allow me to get one of them cups? Because getting one of these cups, it's not like eating Skittles in a service. Getting one of these cups is not like handing out M&Ms to keep your children calm. Getting one of these cups is actually a holy thing and a reverent thing. So that when they hold that cup, they will know there's something different about that. 
There's something serious about that. And my mom, my dad, my granny, my mama, my, my papa, they wouldn't let me do it. And I wonder why they wouldn't let me do it. Because they would have taken of that unworthily. But now tonight, Brother Ron, my eight-year-old granddaughter over there gets to partake of that cup. She gets to hold it in her hand. And she gets to pull that top off and look at that bread and think about what Jesus did for her on the cross. And she gets to drink that juice, Roger, for the very first time with her church family tonight, realizing it's the blood of Jesus Christ that saved her soul. Do you realize how big of a thing this is tonight, child of God? It's a serious thing. Don't let your pride, don't let your pride make you reach up there and get one of them. You know whether you should and you know whether you shouldn't. But the good news is, everyone can. If you're not ready, you can be before it's passed out. Right there in your own seat, or you can get up out of your seat and come to an altar. And you can pray and ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord tonight. You can get born again tonight and partake of the Lord's Supper all in the same night. Ain't nothing no greater than that. Ain't nothing no greater than that. Isn't it good to be saved? Some people says that when you eat this bread, you're actually, actually eating the body of Jesus. I would say to you, and I would submit to you, that Jesus eat that bread that night. He was not eating his body. He was doing it, and he was teaching his disciples to do it in remembrance of him. When Jesus drunk that juice that was passed around to those disciples, Jesus was not drinking his own blood. He was not drinking. He had not even died on Calvary's cross yet. He was drinking of the fruit of the vine. Some people would teach that if you eat this bread and drink this cup, then now you are saved. That's not true. That is not the truth. It said plainly, as you eat this bread and as you drink this cup, you do in what? You do in what? You do in remembrance. You're doing it in remembrance. That's what the Word of God says. And you do it, and you will do it, and you will show. You will preach. You will proclaim what Christ did on Calvary until He comes back to take us home. Oh, my son said to me today, he said, Dad, as we was getting this together, he said to me today, he said, Dad, he said, you know, when we have a baptism in our church, he said, always take that baptism very serious, Dad. He said, always take that baptism very serious. He said, because that baptism is a picture, an outward picture of what Christ has done in here. And he said, I take that very serious. He said, but you know, when we was putting that out today, he said, it hit me, Dad, this is just as serious. It's just as serious. I have never one time in 22 years had a communion service or a Lord's table service and not think of a little lady, Miss Tina. Her name was <laughs> Her name was Nell. 
You remember her? Jamie E.T., Little Nail? It was a church that I got saved in and a church that I pastored before I come here. And Little Nail was just a little old frail little lady. And if you wanted to get blessed, you wanted to have communion beside Miss Nail, she would get that cup and she would weep and she would hold that cup and she would just shake. And you could see her little head with her eyes closed and her mouth moving. And when you'd say, take, eat, she'd put that bread in her mouth, Miss Terry. It was like you could see God all over her. And you'd say, drink this cup, and she'd drink it. And I ain't lying to you. You'd see God all over that woman. And I've often thought, Lord, why can we, why can I, why can we not see this the way now seen it? What's holding us back from seeing it the way she's seen it? My prayer tonight is that you would examine yourself. You would allow the Spirit of God to show you if there's anything in here that needs to be fixed, and you would pray. 1 John 1, 9 says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If there's something in here wrong, get it right. And if you're here tonight, you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior. I beg you, let the cup pass by you. You say, no, 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 I'm not going to let it pass by me. Then you come follow this altar, and you ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord. And let God do a work in your life tonight. Amen.